Okay, today we're reading out of Luke chapter 4, and uh, I'm going to start at verse 14 down to verses 20. And in the middle of it, we read a little bit about the prophet, what the prophet Isaiah has to say about the coming Messiah and the relevance that this has to Jesus. So, we'll start at uh, verse 14. Jesus went back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everybody praised him. Then he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. Now the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled the scroll up, gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of everybody in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Thanks, Bob. Uh, that Bible reading you want to keep handy. There's also an outline in there in your handouts. Let's pray and ask God for his help as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would open our eyes this morning to see wonderful things in your word. Amen. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act towards one another in a spirit of brotherhood. Uh, question, does anyone know where this statement comes from? Anyone want to have a guess? Just take a wild stab. United Nations. United Nations. Bob's on the money. This is from the United Nations, 1948. This is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. This is actually the very first of 30 articles that make up the Declaration of Human Rights. Uh, this was originally, uh, in 1948, voted in by 48 different countries. And today, over 190 countries have signed this declaration. Throughout this declaration, the idea that every human deserves freedom appears over 40 times in those 30 articles. See, fundamental and foundational to the idea of human rights and to the declaration of human rights, fundamental is this idea, this belief, that every human should be free. This idea of freedom is foundational and central to this idea of human rights. That no one should be a slave to anybody. No one should be oppressed or persecuted. Everybody should be free to choose who they associate with or marry or befriend. The idea that everybody should be free to think and believe what they choose 
The idea that everyone should be free to speak their mind without fear. Free to decide how they spend their own paycheck or their own time and what, what things they do and engage in. And freedom, this idea of freedom, really is the air that we breathe here in 21st century Australia. We treasure this concept of freedom. We would fight for it. We even celebrate it. Australians all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. Freedom is the air we breathe. But actually, we're kind of the odd ones out. I don't know if you've realised, but actually throughout all of history, up until the modern era, pretty much every people group, nation, tribe, had a completely different view on human beings. They didn't subscribe to this idea of freedom as a human right. Almost nobody believed that. Pretty much every people group practiced slavery, forced slavery, forced marriages, forced segregation, forced worship, forced censorship. That was a normal, acceptable, expected part of life. And for anyone to suggest anything different would have just seemed like complete nonsense. Or maybe you can think of a few notable exceptions. A few individuals or people groups that that did stand up for a particular freedom. But none of them got very far and none of them were very far-ranging in the way they applied this freedom. Certainly not to all people everywhere in all those ways we've just described. And you know what, even today, outside of the Western world, the world that's been impacted by Christian faith, even among those 190 different countries who have signed this declaration, even amongst those countries, we can see some evidence that they don't have the same view on freedom that we do. Think of China or Russia or Saudi Arabia and their very different takes on human rights and the place of freedom. So why is it that we in Australia believe in freedom? That's point number two. We believe in freedom because of Jesus. Now, um, a beginning can often tell us a lot about the end, can't it? Sometimes how something starts, we can see hints or signs or little glimpses of what the end will be. Whether that's a movie or a, a book or whether that's something in real life, a relationship or a career, we can often see some subtle signs at the beginning what the end is going to be like, can't we? Well, in the paragraph that Bob just read to us from the Bible, Jesus is right at the very beginning of his public life and ministry. And right here at the beginning, he gives a not very subtle sign as to what his mission is. He gives us a really big and bold sign at the beginning of his ministry, telling us what the end and the finish of his ministry is going to be. Jesus has just turned up at the synagogue on a Saturday morning where all Jews go on a Saturday to read the Bible. 
and Jesus stands up to read. And when he's handed the scroll, he doesn't just open it and read it, or he doesn't just get to the last point and they finished. He stops. He takes some time. He's looking for a particular part and a particular sentence within that big scroll. And this is what he reads. Have a look there at verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Now this prophecy was already 700 odd years old when Jesus read it. A 700 year old promise that God had made that one day he would make his people free. Now this is a little bit of a hark back to a big event in Israel's history. Before Jesus came, the biggest event in all of Israel's history was when Israel, who were trapped as slaves under the nation of Egypt, God came and freed, rescued out of slavery and brought them into their own place. This moment was the defining moment for the nation of Israel. Who were they? They were the people that God had freed from slavery. Who was God? He was the God who rescued Israel out of Egypt. And that little foretaste back there, when God had rescued his people out of slavery, was a foretaste of what he'd promised here in Isaiah. God was saying in Isaiah, actually, I saved you once, but that was just a preview. That was just a little tiny picture of what I'm going to do. I'm going to free you. And this freedom is going to be bigger than the freedom from Egypt. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of slavery. But you still died. You still got sick. You still had enemies. One day God had promised, I will free you completely. No more blindness, sickness, death. No more poverty, no more enemies, no more slavery. And here Jesus rocks up to the tabernacle, the synagogue, reads these words and says, actually, this is me. I am here to bring freedom. Now, I don't know if anyone's uh, watched the show Yellowstone. Has anyone started watching Yellowstone? Yeah, I, I started watching. I've, I have given up. But uh, it's, a, it's a show about a cattle ranch in, surprise, surprise, Yellowstone. And uh, there's something a little bit quirky about this ranch. One of the quirks is that some of the cowboys actually willingly choose to take a cattle brand to the chest. So, you know, big burning metal wire and they singe it in. And usually they do this in desperation, you know, they're trying to run away from something and, and they choose in taking this brand to give up their freedom and to be tied to this ranch. They're tied to that ranch, that brand is a little bit like an invisible chain saying, you can never leave Yellowstone Ranch. 
the only way out for them is death. It really is a a slavery. Now, we don't realise it, but actually we carry a brand too. Not burnt in our chest, it's not a big why, but when we, as humans, chose to turn our backs on God, the Bible calls that sin. When we sin, we actually received a brand, the brand of sin. We became slaves to sin. And we have absolutely no way to remove that brand. And the difference between that brand and the Yellowstone brand is that the Yellowstone brand ends when you die. The brand of sin continues into eternity. And so here in Isaiah, when God promises that he is going to bring freedom, it's not just from oppressors, it's not just from sickness, it's not just from poverty. Ultimately, it's freedom from all of that, but chiefly sin, the thing that caused all of that in the first place. See, sin is why all those things exist, why there's poverty and inequality and segregation and dictators and slavery and all the rest. God's big plan was to bring freedom from sin. And so here's Jesus at the very beginning of his public ministry in the middle of the synagogue announcing, that's me. I'm here. I'm the solution that God promised. I'm here to deal with all of that, to bring freedom. Have a look again, verse 18. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me, guys, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year or the time or the era of the Lord's favour. Verse 21, Jesus sat down and said, guys, today this has happened. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, maybe you're thinking, well, how? I'm pretty sure the people in the synagogue were thinking, how? Okay, Jesus, come on, that's a pretty big claim. How? How are you the one? How will you bring freedom? Well, like I said, God had already hidden the clue way back in the beginning. Back when God had rescued his people out of slavery in Egypt, their freedom came at a price. Their freedom came through a sacrifice. For God's people to go free, a lamb had to die. And in Jesus, true freedom would come exactly the same way. For God's people to go free, there would have to be a sacrifice. This time, not of a lamb, but of Jesus the one who we call the Lamb of God. So Jesus sacrificed himself, why? To bring us freedom. He died. But because Jesus was different, 
Because Jesus had never taken that brand, he had never sinned, he'd never rebelled against God, he was not chained to sin and death. He didn't deserve to die. And because he is God, actually after he died, he broke death. It kind of backfired. Death couldn't stop him and he rose back to life. And, and now Jesus has the power to break that invisible chain where we are chained to sin. Now he has the power to take away that brand that humans bear. And he's coming back to finish the job. He's coming back to bring the fulfilment of that freedom which his sacrifice bought. He's coming back to make this world new again, without slavery, without poverty, without tyranny, without sickness, without disease, without death. This is the message of the Christian faith, the message that Jesus brings freedom, freedom that he will make complete when he returns. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, okay, what does that have to do with how Australians in the 21st century think about freedom? See, Jesus didn't start a political movement, didn't he? He didn't start a movement to end slavery or end racism or end forced marriages or segregation. But he did plant the seed, the seed that brings freedom. Well, how did he do that? Interestingly enough, actually, we have the clue here in the Declaration of Human Rights. Let me read it again. All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. They are endowed with reason and conscience and should act toward one another in a spirit of brotherhood. See, Jesus, when he was here on earth, he, he acted like no one else. He loved and cared for all people. Slaves, free, prostitutes, criminals, fishermen, doctors, young, old, Jews, non-Jews. Jesus treated everyone alike. All of them who came to Jesus, he healed. All of them who came to him, he welcomed. All of them he loved. All of them he accepted. All he forgave. They were all equal in his sight. Everybody was free to come to Jesus. And then, after Jesus returned to heaven, he sent his disciples out. He sent them to all people. He sent them out to go to everyone because everyone is equal, because everyone is free to come to Jesus. And so, as Jesus' followers went out with this message, as they spread this news that all are free to come to Jesus and find freedom, they became a family. Brothers and sisters. Whether they were slaves or free or prostitute or criminal or fisherman or doctor or young or old or Jew or non-Jew, it didn't matter. Brothers and sisters in Jesus. All freed from sin all with that brand removed. 
And so with this seed planted, how then could one person who's been freed by Christ treat another person who's also been freed by Christ as less than equal? How could one person who's been freed from slavery to sin enslave another human being who Jesus died to make free? And this brotherhood extends not just from Christian to Christian, but from Christians to all people. Because we are no different except that Jesus has taken away our brand. Because we are no different because we are just, we were just as sinful and chained to sin as they are. We are no different because Jesus died for them as well as us. See, if God's plan for humanity is to bring freedom, how could we as God's people not get on board with that? How could we do anything that was in any way eating away or eroding at another person's freedom? Now, this thinking is summed up really well by the Apostle Paul. Uh, There's a letter we have preserved for us from the first century in the Bible uh, called uh, Philemon. And, and what happened is there was a wealthy slave owner who became a Christian and, and one of his slaves ran away, stole some stuff, ran away, and then became a Christian. And so Paul sends this slave, who is now a Christian, back to his master, who is now a brother. And Paul writes this letter to his master The reason that he, your runaway slave, was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, listen to this, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. See, in Jesus, that seed was planted, that seed of freedom, which as the message of Jesus has spread and as the church has grown, that that seed of freedom has grown with it. This view of brotherhood and freedom and equality has grown. And so even though our history books uh, and what we're taught in schools at the moment are are kind of going back and, and rewriting history, actually, if we take a good hard look at history, we realize, well, who have been the people who have been starting all of these things that bring freedom? Well, it was almost completely Christians who who led and brought about the abolition of the Atlantic slave trade. Go back to your history books, have a read, jump on Wikipedia, look up the names of the people, William Wilberforce, John Newton. These people, almost all of them, were people who were convinced that we cannot sell people like cattle because they believed that Jesus had died to save them. It was almost completely Christians who pioneered schools so that the poor 
could be educated and have the freedom to be able to fend for themselves. It was almost Christians, almost completely Christians, who started hospitals to care for the sick and the marginalised when nobody else would, to be able to free them from that burden and that tyranny of sickness. And it's this Christian view of freedom that's given us the basis for our Western view on human rights. We, as Australians, whether we like it or not, believe in freedom because of Jesus. Jesus is the reason for the air that we breathe. But actually we're in danger of pulling the rug out from under our own feet. Point three, true freedom is only found in Jesus. Now who likes playing Jenga? Come on, I'm sure lots of your kids like Jenga. I like Jenga, I think Jenga's fun. Uh, now, actually, some of us played Jenga on New Year's Day, didn't we? That was good fun. Um, if you don't know Jenga, there's a stack of lots of little wooden blocks and they crisscross, and when it's your turn, you've got to pull one out. And as the tower gets wobblier and wobblier, you know, you've got to be the one that doesn't knock it over. But what happens if there's just one block at the bottom and you try and pull that one block out? that foundation, that block that's the base. What's going to happen to your tower? The whole thing comes crashing down. And, you know, actually, in the West and in Australia, that's what we've been doing for the last few decades. We've been trying to pull out that bottom block that holds the whole tower up. Because we've been trying to take the foundation, Jesus, out of our thinking. But the problem is, when you take Jesus out, the whole foundation of how we see the world crumbles. Without Jesus, there is no foundation for human rights. You can find dozens of atheist philosophers and thinkers who actually themselves admit this fact. Peter Singer, Nietzsche, they will tell you, you can read them, that if we take out Jesus, there's actually no basis for human rights. You think about it. If we just happen by accident and cucumbers happen by accident, what makes us any different from a cucumber? Why should I have any rights? that a cucumber doesn't have. There aren't any. When we take out Jesus, the tower comes crashing down. And, you know, actually, we don't even have to look back into the history books to see what happens when people with power don't have Jesus as their foundation of how they see people. When people who don't breathe this air just treat people like cucumbers... It's happening in our world today. And as we in Australia start, uh, are working at purging Jesus, purging our Christian foundation out, we can actually see those freedoms starting to erode already. We already see in our media, whether that's social or, or public, even in our laws that are being changed and created, we can see that the freedom of thought and of speech are being eroded. So much so that 
some people just for holding common, long-held Christian views have now been dragged before the courts. We can see that Christian views that have been normal throughout all of Australia's white history have now become taboo and people are no longer free to speak and think and believe things that don't fit the new approved line of thinking. Our freedoms in this country are starting to crumble because this country is trying to take Jesus out of the equation. Well, what about the criticism that many have that actually Jesus isn't about freedom? What about the thought that many Australians have today that actually they don't want Jesus because Jesus limits my freedoms? Uh, fish and birds. I've got a question for you. Where is a fish free? Where's a fish free? In the water. Is a fish free up on a mountain? Is a fish free flying through the sky? No, because the fish can't breathe and the fish will die. Pretty simple. And so what if that fish in the water looks up at a bird flying past and goes, man, it's not fair. Why do I have to stay in here? Oh, look at those horses running out on the plains. Man, it's not fair. Why do I have to stay here? I want to fly. I want to go out and eat grass. Well, that fish is not going to be very happy if it actually makes it out there. And a bird, where's a bird free? In the air. If a bird is flying along and looks at the fish in the sea and goes, actually, I'd really like to be there. That looks awesome. Look at them swimming. It looks happy. And the, fish, and the bird decides to fly down and dive underwater and swim down as far as he can go. He's not going to feel very free for very long, is he? His freedom is going to end pretty quickly. See, Jesus does place constraints on us. Jesus does give us barriers and boundaries for us to live by. But those barriers and boundaries are for our good. They're because Jesus knows what freedom is like. He knows where we are, how we are most free. And so when Jesus created the birds and said, hey, you guys stay in the air, don't go under the water, it was for their freedom. When Jesus created the fish and said, you stay in the water, you don't go on the land, it was for their freedom. And when Jesus tells us to deny ourselves and follow him, he's inviting us to the truest freedom there is. Well, today, uh, there's going to be an opportunity just after our next song for some questions. So I'm really looking forward to some great questions this morning. Uh, young and old kids, if you've got a question, you can ask it too. Uh, during the song, you can sort of get your question into words. Uh, everyone else will be really thankful that you've asked it. Uh, but I've got a, a question of the day. And my question of the day is, what freedom do we have without Jesus? What freedom do we have and can we believe in if we take Jesus out of the equation? If Jesus didn't die to rescue people and make people free, what freedom, what rights does anybody have?